This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm N.J. Pesci. And I'm Greg Pesci. We're here in the uh, air quality center of the world, Greg. Holy moly. Not it's, good. It's been really, really awful here. It's embarrassing. It is. But this is uh, one of those times where it's actually not our fault. I mean, what are we going to tell people? You tell people not to breathe, basically. I mean, yesterday you could not. We have large, large mountains here. Yes. You couldn't see them. Couldn't. We are here in the northern studio, which sits maybe a mile, mile and a half from the base of the Rocky Mountains, the Wasatch Front. Can't see them at all, Greg. Could not see them at all. All this stuff is coming from Northern California and Oregon. Can't uh, we can't redo the jet stream right now? So we are stuck with. I don't ever remember it being this bad. We're yeah. just stuck with literally being in a firestorm. So yesterday, I had to go out and uh, get one of the automobiles registered. Mm-hmm. Had to get an inspection, which of course is an emissions test here in Utah. Yes, which is required. Uh, which nobody in my family is pleased about. And uh, I wonder why I have to do an emissions test when I can't breathe already out here. <laughs> so, you, so I felt <clears throat> like I was driving in a uh, in a forest fire, Greg. It smelled like it was a forest fire. That's what you were driving in. I couldn't believe it. Yep. And the further I went down the hill, the darker it got. Like you're in some kind of apocalyptic movie with zombies about to come out. So we have air quality problems here right now in Utah because of fires in Oregon and, Flo- and California. Yes. Floating across yes. the jet stream. A little better this morning. Yeah, there's, there's, it's a, there's a slight break this morning, but it's just slight. Not great. Now, we're going to get to a conversation on goal setting. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, we have to talk about a few goals we had this uh, past month. Uh, the number one goal, of course, was uh, for the Yankees to catch the Red Sox. Well, there's some progress. So on August the 5th, Greg, the Yankees were 10 and a half games behind, I'm sorry, July the 5th. On July the 5th, the Yankees mm-hmm. were 10 and a half games behind the Red Sox. It's now August what? 7th. 7th. August 7th. And the Yankees are? Four and a half? Three, three games. Three games? Three games behind the Red Sox. Oh, man. Now, this I don't- This reminds you of, was it 78? What year was it when they were 14 and a half back in August and still won? Yeah. Was it 78? I can't remember. Or 77? 77? Yeah, maybe 77. Yeah. Either way, yeah. it was a lot. So this is uh, a run. Yes. They're playing the best baseball after the break. I think tied with maybe Tampa Bay or somebody. Now, <clears throat> I am going to Massachusetts as we described this previously, and I'm going to have to uh, go to dinner with Frank and Kelly. Well, you don't have to. That's a pleasure. That's true. That's true. I'm looking forward to it. But I expected to have to pay for that dinner. <laughs> I've got two weeks, and the Yankees play the Red Sox a bunch of times. They do. They'll be in the stadium, uh, I think, like the 17th and 18th yeah. or something like that. So who knows? Maybe I don't have to pay for that dinner. Last night, largest crowd in Yankee Stadium, I think, this year. How many did they say? I, I don't remember what they said the number was. Just mm. the largest one they've had, which was nice for them to come back and win again. Yeah, it's very nice. It's a terrible thing, but I enjoy watching them significantly more when they win. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a surprise. Yes. Which, which is so interesting when you think about what happens to celebrity and when you don't have it anymore. This is pop making us watch Cool Hand Luke once a year. <laughs> all of a sudden, Cool Hand Luke, you know, Luke sends all those photographs of him out when he got out and he's got women around him and drinking and gambling and having a good time and it was all fabricated. Yeah. 
and then they didn't like him anymore, which is what happens. And you know, you don't if you're if you're on top, it's great. And after that, that's why you can't live your life, you know, off of that stuff. It's very arbitrary and capricious. Can be gone soon. I don't know how that'll play with a generation that's uh, seeking to get millions of followers. Yeah, it's a good point. This is the church of the social media. I create my church. <laughs> I have my sermons there. You can see them every day. They're little segments of my life that somehow you'll be interested in, which I don't know is much different than this. You know, the 17 or 25 people we have listening, <laughs> which we appreciate every one of you, by right. the way. Um, but it's the church of, uh, of uh, social media. Yes. And so you fall off of that. You're it's gone. Not so good. And you're gone. Chrissy Teigen, you're gone. Yeah. Fast. They kill you fast, though. Oh. They kill you fast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really kind of scary how fast people, and there seems to be such a bloodlust. It's just fun to tear people down. It's kind of sad. Yes, they will eat each other in a second, Greg. Yeah, it's kind of sad. So there's that. That's big. The Olympics going on. The U.S. basketball team won again. Yes. And, and so that's the fourth straight gold medal. Yes. France put up a good fight. They did. Yep. They did put up a good fight. I, you know, USA hadn't played that well early on. I know you had some COVID issues and some other things, but they did win. And as far as I'm concerned, there's no reason in the world that they should not win. And because I am who I am, and I would say we are who we are, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Durant. You got to give him it doesn't all the matter. in the world. It doesn't matter what he does anymore. I, I totally agree. doesn't matter. Nope. The guy had 30 points in the final eight years ago, 30 points in the final four years ago, 29 points last night. Yeah. This is a man who's won uh, the MVP, I think, once. Yeah. I think he's been the uh, finals MVP twice. He's been a scoring champion, I think, four times. He was rookie of the year. Um, he blew out his Achilles in a pretty yes. nasty thing just two years ago. He's already won twice, just tied Carmelo for three times. He doesn't have to be here. No. He doesn't have to take that risk. He's 32. He'll be 33 in September. Um I say God bless Kevin yep, Durant. Yep. And I say, you know what? That, the fact that he would do that makes he is a true American hero. Yeah. So I, yeah. Okay. So he plays with Kyrie Irving, who's a weird dude. <laughs> and I don't really look to see Irving winning anything, making me happy. But if Kevin Durant wins the NBA championship anytime again, I have no problem with it. Now. I, I want him to win None. all the time. None. So, I, I mean, he, and to me, he's now in a level with Carmelo as far as just being completely dedicated to American basketball. Listen to this Americanism, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. And plus, we beat Mexico in the, the uh, what, do, what do you call it? The Kanakanaka, the Kakakaf, Kakakaf, have a decaf cup, whatever that was. Gold cup. Which was great. Copa de Oro. And that was not even our best team, Greg. No. They'll argue that wasn't totally their best team. Yeah. They had more of their best than we did. It was our C team. Yeah. But pretty darn good C team. Pretty good, man. And and I, I, I'm liking Hoppy. Yes. I like that dude. He does come with a little attitude. He's got something going on. He'll yep. fight you. Yep. I like that. Yeah, so that team, it'd be interesting to see how they mesh together the U.S. men's national team. Uh, unfortunate for the women's team in the Olympics. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Not good. No. No. Maybe maybe it's important to just focus on the game. Yeah. Focus on... Focus on what you're there for. You're there to play the game. Yeah. You're not there for constant commercials. Too many commercials. Too many commercials. A lot of commercials. Life is a commercial, man. Yes. That's all it is. We all need commercials, but play the game. I'd say I have a frog in my throat, but I think it's just the smoke. It probably is. uh, 
from so this is perfect though i have to tell you now it's better today it's a little better and it's cooler right now it is and the wind is blowing and uh, that's nice that'll get things moved along however it is saturday morning in the studio and um what would normally happen now and it's already been suggested upstairs <laughs> that today's a great day for yard work yes saturday get going got a lot of yard work to do. now what i love about Marianne is she doesn't actually think I'm going to do any of that. She 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 has a historical context. Very hard work. She's a hard worker, Greg. <laughs> Never stops working. She's a very hard worker, and so she just go about her business. And I'll, she I'll, need you. I'll be laying by the pool in a chair, and she'll be weeding, and then she'll wave at me, and like she's happy. She loves to do it. But I said to her, I don't think it's safe for you to do that. Exactly, today. it's dangerous out there. Yeah, I just don't need to be watching that while I'm doing nothing. No, <laughs> I don't need that. I actually was wanted to go running this morning, but I'm not doing that no, with this. can't do it. Nope. Okay, another reason we don't have to go outside and do a walk with the dogs. <laughs> it, you know, it's much better than yesterday, but but these are things we, we work on. How do we, uh, you know, how do at least I avoid having to do any kind of yard work? <laughs> uh, it harkens back to a conversation we had back in Ohio way back when with the family doing the number one thing that kids hate to do in my family, which was weeding, yeah. weeding. And uh, as they were weeding or attempting to weed and not really doing anything, uh, Rosanna was sitting in a chair weeding. Well, and the, yeah. Aeronomically, it was effective. I said to her, what are you doing? Dad, some people are good with nature and other people are good with people. I'm good with people. What, is it, what's happening? You're going to weed like the rest of us. I'm not going to do that chair except for Christian. We're going to give him a break. Cause that'll, that'll mean you guys want to kill him again. So we'll just do that kind of thing. So... Speaking of Rosanna, Rosanna is now in, she's in Boulder, Colorado with her family. And my son-in-law, Doug, is participating in an Ironman competition, which has led us to have this conversation we're going to have about goal setting today. Uh, But, and his goal is to complete this Ironman competition in less than six hours. That's amazing. And so what he has to do, he's already done the first part, which is a 1.2 mile swim. It's a long swim. It's a long swim, Greg. That's a long swim. It is, really. I mean, we, we were, when we swam, we were sprinters. I mean, the, the, the 100 meters at the time was the most we ever would do in anything. I, I don't remember ever swimming an event above 100 meters. I, I, honestly, I find swimming to be um, really taxing. Yeah. Like, you know, I can go and I really don't have a problem running, you know, not, not those, those kinds of distances, but... Seven, eight, nine, even 10 miles doesn't bother me at all. You put me in a pool and say, go swim 10 laps without stopping, and I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It is really a lot. And you just have to, and you mentally have to be fit to do that. Yep. So for swimming, it just is a weird thing. So we never did more than 100 meters. At least I never did in a race. And so a mile, 0.2 in a swim. Then you come out of that and you transition to the biking portion of this program. And you put on your little bike shoes and you start running up the hill with your bike to get into the formation. It's a 50-mile bike ride. Wow. It's a lot. That's a long distance. That, that, but I think the 50-mile bike ride is in the middle, in my mind. It's in the middle because it's the, it's the place where you can rest mentally, maybe. maybe. If, it's, if it's not mostly uphill. If swimming, you can't because you drown. Yeah. And then the run thing is got to, it's just, so then it's a half a marathon mm-hmm. after that. Now, I know we have some listeners and certainly the children of some listeners who do this. And um, I don't have to ask the question why. <laughs> uh, but that's a lot, man. It's, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. You got to do a lot of training for it. And mentally, you have to be fit enough to do that. So this is a goal that he's set to do. 
So mid us think, maybe we should talk about goal setting, some sure. of the experiences that uh, we've had, and some of the, we're going to go through some theories we have here, like we're going we're gonna to build this off of uh, Dr. Edwin Locke's theory on goal setting, which happened some 50 years ago, Greg. Maybe 60, no, 60 years ago. Okay. Now I think about it. So it was a period of time when there were a lot of studies being done. People like Maslow had done his stuff about hierarchy of needs. We'll talk about McClelland and his uh, three needs that people have. And then this goal setting piece in here, a lot of it for the context of, of work at the time for people to get, get themselves and teams committed to whatever it is they're going to go do. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you had somebody thinking, you know, 60 years ago and actually talking about goal setting, it, it seems weird to me. Like people were setting goals well, well before that, Greg. Yeah, they were. So it, it just seemed to be a time when all these sociologists and psychologists were doing these studies and becoming famous for whatever doing theory so. they had. Yeah. So anyway, so let's just do that. Let's take a look at this. Make a noise in the studio here. And take a look at some of the things we had on Locke's goal setting. And then we'll talk about experiences we had with those things. So... <clears throat> It was actually Locke and Latham, and they had um, five goal-setting principles that could improve your chances for success. So as we go through these here, um, we'll talk about things that we've seen and done, but I'll give you the five first, Greg, and then we'll go through some of them yeah. in detail. And then I think it would be good if we talk about McClelland after that and his need for achievement, need for power, need for affiliation. So if it feels like we're in uh, graduate school again. Exactly. You know, Where's Lee Perry? Where's Lee Perry? Where's uh, Reba Keel? Yes. Kate Kirkham. Yeah. And then some others we won't mention. No. Because we didn't. Although enjoy. I do, do love what um, Gib Dyer. He's a good man. Love Gib Dyer. Kate Kirkham, Reba Keel. Yeah. And I loved Bonnerichi. Bonnerichi. Yep. Uh, certainly Lee Perry. And, and, and that's it. It pretty much stops right there. We're not going to talk about that. No. That's good enough. No. We're not going to. And if that makes us petty, yeah. small. Welcome to, welcome to the club. Yep. Yeah. Because this is our show, <laughs> and we don't have to talk about him because we didn't want to talk about him when we were there no. in school because they put pressure on, do pressure on us at times, Greg, <laughs> because of who we were. Exactly. All right. Didn't so fit, didn't, fit the, didn't fit the mold. I wish they were uh, able to know that we excluded them from this, <laughs> but they won't know that. All right. <clears throat> really got the frog in the throat today. So these are the five. We'll talk about them directly. One is clarity. Two is challenge, three is commitment, four is feedback, and five is task complexity. Hmm. Okay? So the first part is clarity. This is about setting clear goals. This is where it all falls apart for me. Right how, here. Stop. How, how does it? it falls how? apart for me right here because people say clear, clear goals, and I think what's implicit in that is that you know what you want. That's true. There's my problem. That's true. That's my internal problem. Yes. That's a that's a big picture thing, man. Yeah. That's a big one. Right, like, we'll, we'll pull out. What do you know? For, what do you want to be when you grow up? Exactly. What do you want to really do? And I watched uh, yesterday. I watched um, Jerry Maguire for probably the twenty oh. fifth time. Okay. And I, yeah. I'm watching Jerry Maguire, and I realized that that movie was released in December of 1996. Okay. It was mid December of 1996. And I saw it in December of 1996. Okay. And at that time, I wanted um, more than anything else in the world, professionally, yeah, to be a sports agent. Yes. Well, it's 25 <laughs> years later. I'm not a sports agent. Yeah. But I will say this. Yeah. I thought it was ironic. Yesterday, 
I received from a, a wonderful team that we're doing some work with um, some um, sanitized contracts so that I could, number one, protect people's privacy, but also so that I could actually get familiar with it, try to build some software stuff. And I thought, I'm actually doing something that I kind of wanted to do just 25 years late. Yeah, yes. And so for all the people listening right now, particularly the young ones, clarity is very important. It's huge. And then if you are able to pick that goal, if you were to be very specific and say, I want to run, I want to participate in an Ironman competition in Boulder, Colorado, that's pretty specific. It is. And then you can get more specific about each piece of that thing that you have to go do. But you're right, Greg. I mean, how many times have we said to people, uh, I don't know, and people will ask us, well, what, what do I, what, what I want to do? And what do I want to be when I grow up? And the answer I give them is I don't know what I want to be I don't when I grow up. I know what I wanted to be, which was the first baseman for the New York Yankees. Yep. And I don't, maybe that's why I have such an affinity for uh, Jason Giambi and, and Anthony Rizzo because they're Italians and they're playing first base for the Yankees. Yankees yep. I remember having a conversation with somebody who wanted to move me in a position at Procter & Gamble that I didn't want to go into. And, I, and we had just started to work together uh, on this thing. We knew each other for years, and then he had a need that he wanted to fill. He wanted me to work with R&D, and I didn't want to work with R&D. It was time for me to have a commercial experience and work with the people who ran the business unit. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I was supposed to do. That's what I was told I was going to do, Greg. And he said to me, what would be your ideal job? Yeah, great. And I thought that question's being asked because it's not going to be what it is I think I'm going to do right now. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, my ideal job is to play first base for the New York Yankees. That's what I said to him. Then he realized that we have a problem now because <laughs> he's not playing along with this thing where I was, I'm going to try to move him right. someplace else. And I said, that's not what I came here for. He mentioned it to me. That's not what I came here for. And then I got feedback that I was uh, an angry young man. Yes. Because I wouldn't acquiesce. Oh. And I did not acquiesce. Good, good job. And I did what it was I was doing that I needed to do, wanted to do. And the person who put me in charge of that thing said, you're going to do what I asked you to do. And then later on, he removed that individual and put me in charge of the whole thing. Interesting. Yeah. I digress angry, there, Greg. Angry young yes, man. Yes, an angry young man because I would not do what he wanted me to do. Excitable boy. That's what this it was. Was, Z- was it Zenon? Warren Zevon. Warren Zevon's yeah. excitable boy. But now angry, yeah. Well, That's what it was. That's because he's angry because he couldn't manipulate right. you to exactly. put you where he wanted to put you. It's all crap. Amen. We're digressing. We are. But that's a but life experience, it's man. Because it is so clarity. Because my goal, Greg, was not to work with the R&D group at the time. My goal was to actually get a commercial experience. That was my goal. Right. And, and I was fixated. But, but, but you actually were clear about that. And promised that. Yeah. So, and you are, again, I say promised. I'm. We're in a system where you have to give some, if not most, of the control over to them. Yes. And this them didn't understand why I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. That wasn't my objective. And fortunately person supporting me could make that happen so subjugation in return for safety yes and it's not it's not even real safety and i know christian can take care of this but it was was one of the names when we can't say the name it was one of the names start with a k uh no okay oh no yeah yeah yes 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 absolutely great then i know who it is yes (laughs) yeah That was that business right yep. then. Yeah. And, and you know, because you had a position of power, you could decide. Yeah. You know. So I said no to that. Well, and that's, then, that's, I'm glad that you've dealt with your anger issues, though. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. And he went up the chain, and the chain uh, killed him. Yeah. 
Not good. So setting clear goals, making sure you know exactly what it is that you want to do. And so people do vague things. Like when you, we sit down and have conversations often in organizations, and we talk mostly about their strategy. And you look at things where you have these ideas like win big, uh, be bold. Whatever that means. Uh, grow the business. Be the number one in the category. I was having a conversation with the Travel Channel president at the time working on Travel Channel, and they were saying we're going to be the number one destination for travel. And I thought, well, that's, that's Travelocity, actually. It's not going to be you, ever. You're actually not a travel thing. You're right. a television show that talks about travel. And somebody called it the Travel Channel years ago, and you're a travel channel. But you're, you're not going to be the number one travel destination. That's Travel Orbits or Travelocity will win that. TripAdvisor will win that, not you. Right. You won't be. And so being clear about what it is, that's, that's this piece, and making sure we understand that. The second one then is to set challenging goals. And why would that be important? Uh, I would think because it would possibly uh, motivate you to be dedicated to it and to work hard at it. And I think it's inspiring sometimes. It's also, it, it's also um, an issue that people have where they set something that's not really possible, Greg. Right. So when we were in graduate school, that we had this conversation about um, people who have a high need to achieve. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is part of it. You want to set a challenging goal. But they said that people who have a high need to achieve, and I forget what study it was, uh, it said that if they can achieve something once every three times, right, they'll take that challenge. If they can achieve it every time, they stop doing it because they know it's too easy. Right. So this is where I have problems with some of these theories on, on goals, right? Because people say, some people tell you, make sure it's achievable, right? And I think that's true because right now, again, sitting here saying, I'm going to go pitch with the Yankees now at 56, that's not, that's not going to happen, right? That's not a real goal. But at the same time, I've come to, to believe that um, you should set challenging goals, and because they do inspire you, because they can motivate you, they can get you focused. And it's not the end of the world if you don't hit exactly the challenging goal. And some people think, you know, I, I have to hit my goals 100%. Right. My feeling is if you have a challenging goal and you get 85, 90% there because you went after something big, look what all you got. Look at all that you did get by doing that. Whereas some people say, you know, that, that, that I guess I was unrealistic. I, that's where I get a little confused. Yeah, so what, what they would say then is if you can achieve it every time, they won't do it. Right. And if they can never do it, if they can do it once out of every 10, they won't keep doing the task. Right. They just won't do it. So something that I've done my entire career in organizations is to throw something in a room. Like a ball? Yeah, but not a ball. It's always trash, Greg. Oh. So it's wadded up something. And um, you would take it and say, let me see if I can throw this thing. And I'm in a room, in a conference room, I'm someplace. It's going to be backhanded over three chairs by that table into that trash can. Yep. And no matter what, Greg, every single person in that room gets fixated on that. And then they want to do it they themselves. They want to do it. I've done the same thing. <laughs> they want to sit down and do it. I said, it's backhanded, man. Backhanded. We're not just throwing. We're backhanded. No look backhanded. And after a while, you realize that's, one, that's impossible. And I won't do it. But I will do it 10 times to see if I can do it, if I don't get it right away. And the other thing was uh, I used to uh, block people's shots too, right? So mm-hmm. they're trying to throw something, like they're not ready for it. Martin Ryan, one of the greatest guys I've worked with, British guy, ran Femcare, went to throw something in the trash can, passed me, and I just swatted that thing right back at him. <laughs> He's like, what was that? Went, it can house? be. Yeah, in my house, nobody ever lets that. In my, 
with all my brothers, you could never get a free shot. <laughs> so you know when it's too hard to do. Yep. So we, we bought the Wella company in Germany. And there we, I was in France talking to the guy running the French business. And I was talking about where we, we were indexing somewhere around 87% of the goal, Greg. And the goal was, the goal was already 120% of base. So it was way up there. And I said, Francois, how did we get 120 as a goal? He said, well, at Wella, we just set high goals and we, we go for it. I said, well, at Procter & Gamble, they will kill you. So if you say the goal is 105 at Procter & Gamble and you get a 95, they will kill you. If you say it's 105 and you get a 125, they will kill you. It means you don't know how to forecast your business. And then you set the supply chain into all kinds of crazy stuff if you're way off that much. Right, right. And as far as he was concerned, I said, could you tell me, Francois, that we're, we're indexing here and we're, we're, there's a huge gap. Tell me what the plan is to close that gap. And he said, NJ, we'll just knock on more doors. Mm. So I said, just give me a minute. I'm going to call my wife right now, if you don't mind, Francois, and tell my wife not to spend any more money <laughs> because there'll be no bonus this year because Francois' solution is to knock on more doors. <laughs> we got no chance. And so it has to be achievable. So stretch is good. Yep. If you can't do it at all, then you're, mm-hmm. you're probably, it was just a fantasy like me playing first for the Yankees. So I, I agree with you, Craig. Yep. It's got to be enough that you, that you, that when it happens, you've done a lot yep. to make it happen. <clears throat> okay. Then, then it's about getting commitment. And, and it's twofold on this one. One is your own commitment to it. And the other one is if you're working with a team, how do you get them committed to that goal? And, and the best way they describe that is to make sure that you share in the setting of that goal so it's not just a lay-on. Right. You walk in and say, you do this. Because when you walk in, when management walks in and says, we're going to do uh, you know, $15 million over last year, People will just say, you're not doing it. I'm doing it. Right. And then they always say, I wonder what his bonus is going to be when we get that. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get a bonus. What are we going to get? Nothing kind of thing. So securing that commitment. And then maybe underneath that, people set their own goals to help achieve whatever that might be. The next one, Greg, is number four is gaining feedback. So getting feedback. How do you get feedback when you're doing an individual goal? Well, if you have some certain metrics, I mean, I mean how about trying to lose weight? There's a scale. Right. That's right. And this is always the one. This always reminds me of Covey's conversation about private victories always precede public victories. Yep. And this is a commitment to yourself. You can't, you I mean, you can't hide from yourself. No. Let's just say you want to lose weight and you went in there and you did the Oreo trick that I was talking about last week. Right. Yeah, you can hide the fact that you ate Oreos from, from whoever is looking at the Oreo bag. But you know you ate it. And by the way, Marianne wants me to say that she's not checking rows of Oreos. <laughs> and that is an overblown conversation about that. But I don't know. Uh, anyway, so you, you could hide the fact that you ate 15 Oreos. Yes. But you can't hide that from yourself. No. And you can't hide it from the scale. No. And, and, and you're, just, you're just fooling yourself, as the great sticks would say. Yes. You're just fooling yourself. You don't believe it. No, you don't believe it. So getting commitment to that means it has to be, I think it has to be real, but you also have to get people who are involved in, as we mentioned, the commitment part and the feedback part. You'll get feedback from people as well. We talk about life, business, and sports, Greg, and the the reason we talk about these things, at least in life, I'm sorry, at least in sports and business, it's public. Very public. If if you're a quarterback and your rating is 87% as a QB instead of 110, 105 Everyone sees it. No, I was thinking the other day, I've been watching some of the reports out of, uh, out of the Jets camp. I mean, they break down <laughs> the entire day. They break down every throw. 
They break down completions. They, they break down how well the ball was thrown, even if it was completed. It's, a, it's very, very public. It is. So there's no place to run in that nope. and no place to hide. <laughs> Jameis and, uh, and Taysom yep. going after it for the Saints right now. And I think Taysom has a higher completion rate in practice, Greg. Yep. They're looking at that higher completion rate and don't overblow the fact that Jameis threw an interception in practice. I don't know. I mean, would you have thought about that? That No. It's intense. <clears throat> In my opinion, they will start Jameis. You think so? Yeah, <clears throat> because it's safer. And Taysom also gives them something that they don't have if he's, if he's the quarterback. Right. They don't have that option to have him run the ball, to have him uh, catch the ball, catch the ball, have him block punts. Yeah, they, don't, they, they lose that option. I don't, think he'll, I don't know if he'll do the punt stuff anymore now, Greg. Uh, they, it's too much risk. It, it's very risky. Yeah. But they are measuring every single thing, and it is, yep. it's pretty public. At that point. And the things that we lose on that may matter most to us are private. Right. And you have to be committed to yourself. And commitment ultimately is private. To me, it yes. is. Yep. You know whether you're really giving your heart and soul to something or not. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so the fifth one is to consider the task's complexity. You don't want it to be too overwhelming. And so there's a balance there, Greg, with the, what a stretch goal might be then an impossible one because of the complexity of that thing. Too challenging, too demanding, too hard. Now, it would be, for example, if we, the complexity of, of, of running, swimming, and biking doesn't sound that complicated in the sense that you get in the water, and, right. then, and then you get on a bike, and then you stand in your shoes and you run. Right. Everything behind that's pretty complex, Greg. Yes. I, I couldn't do it. No, I'm trying to, trying to keep... Trying to keep yourself in, in a condition mentally and physically that you can keep going, is that's not easy. It's not. So when it comes to goal setting, um, this is a piece of advice that we would give you. Um, first one is don't wait until the first of the year. Just don't. If, you, if there are things you're supposed to be working on today, I mean, do you know anybody right now who's doing their New Year's resolution? I don't. No. They're done within, within two weeks. Yep. People stop. So don't wait for that time. Nope. Whatever's in front of you today, sit down and be very clear about what it is that you want to achieve and give yourself a time goal as part of the measure to make sure that you're not going to do this indefinitely. Yep. You're going to go do this against a certain period of time. And then be honest with yourself as you're doing it and be very honest about what it is you're not doing when you need to do it. When it comes to goal setting, Greg, when, it, when these things happen and the individual who's by themselves more times than not, it's a negative conversation for not having done something. Exactly. It's almost always negative. It's always negative. And, and, and here, here's, a, here's, I think, one of the biggest problems we have uh, for, for a lot of people, and that is this issue of perfection. Yeah. Right? So you think, I got this goal. I'm going to do whatever it is I'm going to do. And then, and then you don't. Right? And then you think, oh, gosh, I need to stop now because I failed, and I got to start all over again. And and I think that's a that's a really serious problem. You are we have never been perfect at anything. No one in this world has, right? Except for some religious examples, we'll, yep. we'll set aside. Yep. Uh, and so you need to go into this thing knowing you're not going to be and not looking for that. But the, the issue is progress, directional progress. Yeah, that's back to the point about you do something in the model, and then it's it's um, sustained through progress. Right. Keep moving in that direction, moving forward the whole time. But we end up in those conversations with ourselves, and it's negative. Yep. And when we should be talking about what we did 
get positively from that experience, even if you're trying to keep yourself from something. And if you're going to go do some running, if you're going to go get on a bike, it's painful. It can be painful. We always talk about the fact that the first day you exercise is the easiest day. Yes. It's the second day yep. that you have to do it that's hard because you have to be committed to it. Keep doing it. So using our New York, all we're saying is <laughs> when you have these moments, it is part of the plan to keep you from your happiness. And that is having all these negative thoughts come in. Let's not have that happen. No. So you take a step back and you take two steps forward after that. Right, but you're directionally moving forward. And I think as uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who was on our show, said, you know, don't get trapped, don't get messed up with the gap and the gain. See, focus on the gap towards perfection. Don't do that. Focus on the gains. Focus on where you were and the amount of progress that you've made. Yes. Harkening back to our Rosebeth Cantor that all, everything's a failure midway. Yeah. It's too far to go forward. Can't make it across the stream. And it's too late to go back. Because you're stuck in the middle. And that's where you have to stay positive. You have to go back into the belief uh, the belief you have in yourself to do these things. Any and all of these things would be possible to a degree. It's not possible for, for me to play first base for the Yankees today. It's just not. No. But that's not a reasonable thing, a realistic goal to set. So realistic, achievable, yet stretching goals are something each and every one of us can do. Yep. And we can find out that area that means the most to us. So are you a believer in writing them down? Yes, I am too. Yes, I am. And ha- and I didn't do that for most of my life. You know, it's funny you say that, Greg, because I'm um, sitting in my office yesterday and, and uh, I was moving some stuff around and, and a post-it slipped off my desk. I'm trying to be like Roger Shaheen now, have a million post-its on my desk. <laughs> this post-it falls off the desk and it, it, all, it has just one word on it, Greg. Okay. Underlined twice. And what's that? Goals. Really? And nothing happened. <laughs> I didn't write anything down. That was it. So, and I do like, I do like our 10X guy. What's his name? Grant Cardone. Yeah. Cardone, who writes them as if they've already happened. Yes. And we've talked about this before, but he writes, of course, uh, Cardone's goals are off the charts. Yes, like, they are. I got seven houses. <laughs> I got a, I got a beach house. I got a mountain house. I got a, I got a house in, but he writes them as if they've already happened. Yeah. Which I like that. I do too. I, I do like that. Um, but writing them down is an important thing. And then revisiting them, just not putting them away. I think that, and I also, the other question is this, you know, how many becomes too many? You got yeah. 15 goals? Can you really do that? No, no you no. can't. I mean, Hardy likes to quote, uh, what's his name, Collins. Collins says, if you, have, if you have more than three goals, you don't have any. Yeah. I don't know if that's the perfect I, number. I don't know. I could do five, Craig. There you go. I'm not going to do them. One for every finger. Yeah, I'm not going to do them. I'm going to write them down. You got your thing with your hand moving, <laughs> you get your fingers moving here. And what you can't see right now is that we're doing a gesture with our hand, which gets your thumb extended and your hand rotates back and forth. <laughs> and then you put onto your index finger. So it looks yes. like you're, that's, that's uh, how our father would count things out. Yes. And uh, I do it all the time. I do too. Nobody really gets it. <laughs> but I do it anyway, which is uh, our prerogative. So to, uh, to stick with this piece about motivating and goal setting, um, there was a time that um, David McClelland, and this was also back in the 60s, was talking about motivation theory and what he thought motivated people. And through his studies came to the conclusion that there were three things that motivate everyone. Okay? These three things are these. Uh, that there is a, a need for achievement, mm-hmm. 
a need for affiliation, and a need for power. Yep. Those are the three. Affiliation, achievement, and power. And he says that we have all of them and that sometimes they're just um, in different degrees. And you might have a tendency to have one or another. Work with a good friend years ago. Um, love this person. And uh, you could just tell that that person's need for affiliation was off the charts. Being part of teams, being able to help other people, being in the middle of whatever was going on, uh, that social interaction at work and being a part of that, being able to say, I am a part of Procter & Gamble, meant a lot to this person for many decades, meant a lot to them. It's not a bad thing. No, it's, it's a good thing. It's just, it would be way higher than it would be for you and me, Greg. Yeah. It would be. So before we get into these pieces, there, is a, you, there are a few tools you can use. So there's a tool that says, let's take a look at against the McClellan chart, and you have people fill out these, answer these questions. And then you, you, you run it through its algorithm and you figure it out and it'll show where you are on power, achievement, and affiliation, which is the highest one for you. What's interesting is that um, did this work with associate brand managers at Procter & Gamble? So they're not the big brand manager yet. And their need for power was so high, so high. And then when you break it down and ask them about why it's so high, they would say, because don't have any. Because <laughs> I don't have any. It's being flaunted in front of me, right. and I don't have any. I can't do anything, right, at all. I can't make it. I can't make a decision. So, interestingly enough, in that same group of people talking to associate brand managers of Procter and Gamble, and, and showing the great clip from Apollo thirteen, Greg, mm -hmm. where they, you know, failure is not an option. Yep. And they have to go figure out how to bring them back alive. And at one point, some young engineer says, "We got to turn off all the power." We can't, we, they're going to be out of power if we keep the power on. They, they will actually be dead. We've got to turn off all the power and run this thing on nine amps. And one guy yells, you can't, you can't run a vacuum cleaner on nine amps, Gene, <laughs> which of course makes sense for you and me, right. especially since you know how to rebuild your Dyson. I do. Um, but so it's, it's a cool scene. Yeah. So we turn all the power off and, you know, all will be dead if we don't do it. The interesting thing, the takeaway from the assistant brand managers, Greg, had nothing to do with the problem being solved. What they said was, that'll never happen here. And I said, what, what will never happen That's here? What's, ask, what's that? Never, ever would they listen to a young guy like that. <laughs> I was stunned. I, I'm sorry, but I actually would agree with them. My, my limited, very limited experience there is I, I agree with them on that. I think it, there's so many strong suits to that culture, but that's one weakness. Yeah. They, they said they would not. And it's a big weakness. Yeah, because you, you, you just don't it's have like all you, the answers, you, man. Yeah, you don't have all the answers, you and, you, you, and you aren't as open to new ideas. And there is a, there is a sense there that you know, you got to be here a long time before you even have the right to talk, yes. let alone be listened to. Absolutely. So these guys said they would never listen to us. And so it's a very interesting exercise if you ever get a chance to take a look at McClellan's piece on need for achievement, need for power, need for affiliation, to do a measurement of your own would be interesting. So here's what, here's what McClellan says from a motivational standpoint. Uh, people have a need for achievement. And so I know when, you, when you look at it, Greg, power, achievement, and affiliation, if you're going to say, what do you think you have, what do you think yours are compared to one another in that group? Um, I would say that um, affiliation, um, 
outside of my family is very low. Yeah. It's yeah. very low for me. Um, achievements pretty is probably achievement and power are probably pretty close to each other and high and pretty high up yeah. there for me. Yeah. I think so too. I, 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 mine's, I think would be similar. So let's talk about the bullet points under each one of these things. So people know what they are. If you're out there in, in the listening land, thinking about these achievement, affiliation and power, where do you sit on these? These are the characteristics or attributes that McClellan would have underneath that. So achievement first <clears throat> has a strong need to set and accomplish challenging goals which goes along with the stuff we'd set on, on yeah. goal setting. Takes calculated risks to accomplish their goals, which in some organizations is not the case, Greg. Right. I mean, in, in some places, the person that gets promoted is not the person that achieved the most. It's the person who, made the, who didn't make the last mistake. Mm-hmm. So achievement takes calculated risks. They like to receive regular feedback on their progress and achievements. This is, again, what we said on the goal setting. Here's the one that I think is really interesting, Greg, and I think fits for for us in this area when it comes to achievement. And and please don't be offended that I said it it works for you, okay? (laughs) People with a high need for achievement often like to work alone. Yeah. (laughs) And why is that? Um, I think it's because they can control it. And I think it is at sometimes it's also because they think that if somebody somebody else does it, they won't do it as well and they'll have to redo it for them, or at least portions of it have to redo it for them. Yeah. So there's some arrogance there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It it also feels like you're protecting yourself the best you can. Yep. Turning things over to other people. And when you do it, uh you you, you you're still the outcome will still affect it'll still be impactful on you, positively or negatively. So you want to control that. Okay. People with a high need for affiliation. They want to belong to the group. Mm-hmm. They want to be liked and will often go along with whatever the rest of the group wants to do. I think that's true. They favor collaboration over competition. And they don't like high risk or uncertainty. And I think that piece, that, because I think it becomes challenging for a group, if you're the person that actually puts us at risk and all of a sudden, now we all have to do push-ups because you didn't do what you're supposed to do, right. or you failed and the group goes. Uh, but the group dynamic thing there, it's an interesting one. We've all experienced it where we work in groups and someone doesn't pull their weight. Um, so I don't know. It's not high on my list to be part of the group. So I'm not sure this is you know the highest for us, but we do have parts of it. Obviously, we like Yeah. Yeah. Like being on a team. Yeah. I don't know about collaboration over competition. Yeah. I'm, I prefer to compete. I do too. I mean, but there are places, even when you do compete, especially as a team, you need to collaborate to do so. So I don't know. They're always yeah. mutually so exclusive. I, 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 now that, you know, let's go through the power one here. Greg. Okay, here we go. Okay, and this. Nobody wants to admit this is what everybody really wants. So let's just do a digression for a second, Greg. Back in graduate school, when we were there, we had a, a large array of things that we had to prepare for for the comprehensive final in the, in the program. And so what they suggested we do, and we did do with Kate's help, was to divide our class into our study groups and then if, have each group focus on one specific thing. So you guys would do culture, we would do power, and um, someone else would do group dynamic, someone else would work on on whatever it was, mm-hmm. the, these things we're, we're studying. All of the theories, of, you know, McClellan's theories, the rest of the stuff. And and that way, when the time came, we'd get together as a group, and then each of us would 
be prepared for the entire exam, but we would help the other groups with our stuff. Right. Say, here's our presentation on this and yep. all the theories we've done and blah, blah, blah. And that way, at least in one area, you'd be more prepared than others and you could help people who weren't. So we had power and influence. We did too. In our group. And um, we did an exercise with the, with the class together and the professor and said, um, let's define power. And the definition of power, inevitably, Greg, got down to something negative. It became unrighteous dominion. Right. It became people exercising power. And, and it wasn't a positive thing. It really wasn't. It ended up being a negative thing. Then at the end of that exercise, you tell people now to list the three most powerful people in the room. And everybody was upset when they were not on that list. Exactly. After it was described as a negative. Yep. So this is a very interesting one, Greg. Yeah. And I don't know if this isn't the most important important motivator for you and me as we read these things. To be I'm, honest, perfectly honest. I, I'm telling you, I totally agree with you that I think that people, people, especially in groups, will be somewhat um, disingenuous about this yes. because they think that somehow it makes them look bad. And but in the end, in their quiet moments, if you told them that they're the least powerful person in the room. It would really upset them. Yes. And I, I, I'm afraid when I read one of these lines, the people who know us best say, there you are. Yes. There you are. Read the papers. <laughs> There's That's your husband. husband. That's your read husband. Read the papers. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday somebody was trying to quote something. One of the people I'm working with was going to quote this other movie. I said, no, no, I don't do that. We'll be doing this right here. Look at me. I said to him. It makes no difference to me understand what a man does for his living. <laughs> Best is his interests don't conflict with mine. <laughs> so this this is the, the 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 that's your husband, that's your husband. Read the papers, that's of course from The Godfather. Yes. Which is an R rated movie, Greg. I know that. And then if it was to be re uh rated today, it'd probably be G compared to what goes on today at PG thirteen. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, here is power now. We're just trying to stall. Sure. Power wants to control and influence others. Okay. Number two, likes to win arguments. Oh, my word. What a waste of time. Yeah. Number three, enjoys competition and winning. Yeah. Not just the competition. Yeah, we're, getting sucked winning. Into, we're getting sucked into this vortex. And, and four, enjoys status and recognition. Yeah. So, that's power. Yeah. Okay. Controlling people, and when you say influencing people, people don't like that. Yeah, I mean, influence is, is kind of acceptable. Controlling, though, is not. No, no. And what's the thing we don't like to be, Greg? Controlled. Handled. I, I hate being managed. Managed. No. I hate it. I had the most incredible... I hate being managed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I got to get this out. I hate being managed by someone who thinks that they're art, artfully managing me, <laughs> and I don't know it's happening. It's like... Yeah. Come on, I'm very happy to serve on a team and not be the leader on a, on a team where it makes sense. Yes, I really am. But when you're managing me and you think that you're managing me in a way that I, I don't even understand that what you're doing is managing me, that really is a problem. Absolutely, and we're aware of it. Yeah, yeah. And so being handled, oh. it's not easy for us. So looking at these pieces, I have to say, Greg, I have my uh, favorite. Executive assistant, Robin, trying to explain to Robin what I needed from her, kind of went like this. 
I need you to make me do the things I'm supposed to do that I don't want anyone ever telling me what to do. <laughs> I need you to be able to do this in a way, and I need to be able to talk to you about it in a way that doesn't upset you like it does at times at home. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm being told to do there when I have to be done. And that's not where we're handled, Greg. Uh, our wives don't really handle us. No. They, 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 they know how to handle us. They do. So they know how to do it without making it look like we're being handled. But others, when they do, we bristle at that. Yeah. So people like to win arguments, people who have this power. Yeah, that's a problem for me. Yeah. That's always been a problem yep. for me. Yeah. And it's actually unbelievably effective at times too. But it is, in my personal life, something yeah. that has been, my wife has, has experienced more than that than she ever should have. Yes. So we have the same issue. And the, and the piece on this one, Greg, is that there are times when we just decide we're not going to do that. I'm not saying we're going to win every time. No. But we are going to argue. If it's going to go that way. See, but see, here we go. This is when I get this out. In my family, <laughs> in my family, my wife will be sitting in another, no, she doesn't argue. She doesn't argue much. She can. Let's not pretend that she's not effective at being argue, at arguing because she's very effective. Right. At it. She has very effective strategies and she's very smart and she has, and she knows what she's doing, but she doesn't like it like we do. Yeah. It doesn't give yeah. her joy. It doesn't make her happy. And, and so I'll be in the kitchen with, one or more of our children having an argument that she sees as an argument. Right. It's not an argument. Right. We're discussing a topic. We're taking different sides of the topic. Nobody even freaking cares which side they're on. Right. It's just, we're just sparring. Right. It's very unsettling to her. It makes her feel like her house is full of contention. That, that, that especially in the Mormon community, that the devil himself is here because, <laughs> because it's contention. I mean, Pat, let's not talk about passive aggressive stuff because that's, yeah. we got that one in spades. But nonetheless, they will say, those people who hate contention love passive aggressiveness. Oh yes, but but she uh, um, she'll say that, that was that was awful. Yeah, they came here. We had we had lunch. I made this great lunch, and she made this wonderful food. And all you did was bring hell to our home. The rest of us are thinking this was a blast. Right. So yesterday, same experience, Greg. We're cooking here, and and Marianne comes like, "What's what's all the yelling? What's people? What are people yelling about? <laughs> what are you yelling at Nello for?" I said, "What are you what are you talking?" What are you talking about? In fact, I don't even, right now, I couldn't even tell you what it was right. that happened less than 12 hours ago or 14 hours ago, and eight of those I was asleep. So I, I don't even remember what it was. And she came in thinking, what, why is it, what's going on? Why is this, what's the tension about what's happening? It's Nothing's happening. Yeah. So now, Greg, we said, honestly, the affiliation's not high on our list. We have a need. And, oh, sure. Yeah. So let's go look at the, at the four for achievement and power quickly here yep. as we come to an end of this and say, honestly, if you had to pick one of the two. So achievement has a strong need to set and accomplish challenging goals, takes calculated risks to accomplish their goals, likes to achieve regular, likes to receive regular feedback on their progress, often likes to work alone. Yeah. Okay. So that's strong. Yeah. Wants to control and influence others, likes to win arguments, enjoys competition and winning, enjoys status and recognition. So are you asking me? You got to pick one. Of the, it, oh, so power wins. It wins. Power wins. Power wins. And we arrogantly say it as if that's a, what's wrong with you. Why don't you think that's okay? Well, power wins, man. It does. Power wins. Um, I do think that uh, achievement is not a distant, distant second. But affiliate. See, my feeling on the affiliate. Oh, read the affiliation ones. Wants to belong to the group. Okay. What group do you what belong group, to, Greg? Uh, so many. What group do you belong to? I, I, I'm telling you, I. We were raised by a madman. Yes. <laughs> right? And, and for us, the only affiliation that mattered was, 
was everybody in the room. Yes. Everybody in your at your kitchen yes. table. Yes. And that everybody outside of that you could love and be kind to and have experience with. But that but honestly, this is part of our cultural milieu. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is it's us and then everybody and then everybody else Terrible. and that and 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 in the end you what you who you will live and die for is at that table and everybody else you'd be kind to. Yes. Right? So my need for affiliations in the family. Why is my best friend my brother? Yes. Yes. Right? People will look at that and say, because you guys are messed up. Okay, but you wish you had it, don't you? You wish you had that. Yes. But honestly, there's a weakness, even for, for things yes, that give you strength, yes. there, there's a weakness yes. to it because maybe you don't have as great uh, a set of really, really close friendships out, outside of the family. Now, I will admit under therapy, because I have talked to therapists about this, I don't give a damn. <laughs> that doesn't motivate me. Right. So, so that's it. Need for affiliation wants to be liked. Yeah. And, and but to to be like you have to go along with whatever the rest of the group yeah, wants well, to that's, do. That's not really a strong suit here. Not a strong suit there. Um, favors collaboration over competition. Sometimes, yeah. Doesn't like the high risk. Doesn't like high risk or uncertainty. Well, that's interesting. Because because I I think in different portions of my periods of my life maybe that was true. Yeah. So do we have friends? Yeah, couple. Do we love them? Absolutely. Very much. Not a lot of them, though, Greg. No. Not a lot. And, and, and I, I say thank you to any and all of them that are listening that put up with right. who I am. <laughs> and, and I explained this to my wife a while ago. I said, there, there are a number of people who've just figured that out. And so they know how to manage me without managing me. Right. And I love them for that. Yes. It, it's, I get to be who I am whenever I want to be with a small section of people, Greg. Right. That, that's just how that is. And there are weaknesses to that. But, I, but on... On balance, I think there are more strengths for me. Yes. So I, the reason I think power wins over the over the um, achievement one is because the achievement is in the power one. Right. Enjoys competition and winning. Yep. And so that part of that is that that achievement piece in my mind. Uh, I don't know. When it, when you do these things, when you take the assessments, they're supposed to be done in a way that you can't trick them. If you're honest about it, it's going to say that. One's not better than another, Greg. No. It's just who we are yes, and how that works. So having a conversation about goal setting, trying to figure out what it is that actually motivates you. McClellan's got three simple things. You can have a bunch of other things that you could say, but these these three make sense to look at. And they're not, in a sense, you have to have one or the other. You're just going to lean towards one more than any and the other two for sure, but they'll be a part of it. It's like when you do those assessments of, you know, are you a red, a green, a yellow, or blue? Most people have all of them. In fact, we almost all have all of them. Yeah. Just have tendencies towards certain things. You might be more analytical. You might be more inclined to um, to big picture thinking, but you're not, it's not exclusive. You, get, right. you have these pieces. Recognizing when you need to use them and how you use them is more important. So this is all because my son-in-law right now is uh, in an Ironman competition. Yeah, I wish him well. Uh, I'm going to guess he's still on the bike because he started riding it right about when we started this thing. It's 50 miles. Man. I don't know how long does it take to do a 50-mile bike ride. I have no idea. I never did that. Not even close. I don't know. Yeah. I did it once. You ran? You, you, yeah. 50 long, miles? Yeah. With, with, wow. With people back in New York when we, we had done this thing and we actually went to see this the other day. We, we climbed a bunch of peaks in in the Catskill Mountains, including Slide Mountain, which is the the tallest peak in, they're not climb climbs. We went to the top of those things after we did this long bike ride. Didn't it might have been 25 miles, yeah, not 50. That's still a lot. 
Yeah. And I had I wasn't prepared. Again, of course. If if I had a flat tire, I would have been, you know, stuck because yeah. we don't have any of that. <laughs> don't know how to do that stuff. So anyway, so a lot going on. Just remind you again whenever you can to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're on. You'll always find us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Injag. This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm N.J. Pesci. And I'm Greg Pesci. And we'll see you again next week.